series uh, over uh, liturgy, worship for weary souls, communal habits, and daily rhythms of grace. We've been walking through uh, each section of this daily prayer project that we started, uh, all seven sections of it, and just walking through one at a time to look at, hey, why, why would we submit ourselves to some sort of daily liturgy, morning and evening in this, and what do these things mean? And hopefully you've learned from that uh, what it means to pick up some habits of uh, worship practice. Uh, Liturgy is just really a fancy word for the practice of worship. And you are doing that no matter what you're doing. Whether you're intentionally doing it or not, you are uh, subscribing to patterns and habits and rhythms of worship. The question is not whether you're doing it, but what you're worshiping. And what those habits point to. And so hopefully you've learned from this series uh, why we're submitting ourselves to this sort of practice intentionally. But also in the midst of that, uh, why we do what we do here on Sunday morning. Uh, Hopefully you've noticed that a a bunch of the parts of this liturgy really mirror what we do here on Sunday morning. And, And today is no less. Today we are finishing with benediction. A blessing and ascending. Before you get too excited, children, that I'm just going to give a benediction and you go home, we got a few things to talk about before we get into that. But a benediction is really a blessing and ascending. So the question is, what does a blessed life look like? What would it look like if God blessed you? Maybe some laughter, right, John? Laughter might be a part of a blessed life. Right. If you get on any social media app, you could search for hashtag blessed and find all sorts of definitions for what the blessed life looks like. I'm not sure that I recommend it. Uh, but you can find all sorts of definitions for what the blessed looks, life looks like. But the question is, what does God's word teach us about what a blessed life looks like? So what we're going to do this morning is look at uh, one such benediction in the scriptures in the Old Testament to learn what it is that we believe God teaches about what it means to be blessed. So we're going to be in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. I'm going to see if this is going to work, Jonathan. We'll see. Oh, yeah, it's working today. Sweet. All right. So uh, we're going to read Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. All right, so the liturgy of Jesus that we're looking at today is benediction, this blessing and sending. And as you know, we've been walking through, as we've walked through each of these, we've tried to compare them to uh, some liturgy practices of the world around us. How is the world shaping us in this? And also, how does religion seek to shape us in this? And then finally, what is Jesus actually calling us to in the midst of this? To be honest, I tried to think of a comparable thing for the liturgy of the world, and I really couldn't think of one very well because the world really doesn't have a benediction. The world is really just an endless scroll. The liturgy of the world is just an endless scroll. There's no benediction to it. It never ends. 
It's not just in the way we consume entertainment and media, which literally has endless scroll functions, which is just insane. You want something new? Something new? Just, that's it. That practice is doing something to us. It's doing something to our souls. But it's not just in the media we we consume, but it's also in the way we live. We are actually in constant search for the blessed life. We're constantly searching and working for blessing, never ending, going after it. We're always needing to hustle to get ahead, to get that blessing, to work it out, to stay ahead of my neighbor who did get their blessing, at least we think. We're constantly working to get it done. And that's why not only are we constantly scrolling in that sense of working for the blessing, but the other part of the benediction is ascending. If you've noticed, in this liturgy, we have a daily liturgy, a morning and an evening. There is a rhythm and a rest, a start and an end to your day. Our culture doesn't really have that. We are really in an endless scroll loop with no rest or rhythm, no morning or evening, no end to the scroll. You literally can be doing something any hour of the day, anything you want, right? As soon as we have modern uh, technologies of going against, you know, the sun going down, right? It just changes everything. There is a natural rhythm to the world that we fight against constantly, right? We We have... Uh, manufacturing that happens in third shift. Why? Because there are things that need to get done. And if we take a break, those things won't get done. But that sort of pervasive sense of not taking a break has infected kind of everything we do. So one of the very important things of this liturgy was to say, hey, let's build some rhythm of morning and evening. Let's build some rhythm that says, Actually, at the end of the day, I get to pause. Now, certainly, I understand that there are lots of situations that might come up where you might actually have to work for third shift, and that's a real thing, and that's not like a sinful thing, right? That's okay. Uh, It's a necessity. But structuring your day in such a way and recognizing, hey, whatever I'm doing will form me, and how do I structure my life in such a way? And even when I have to work third shift in the hospital or whatever, I can actually rest outside of that and structure my day in such a way that I still have some level of rest, some level of rhythm. Now, the liturgy of religion actually works the same way. It's an endless scroll in the same way, just with a religious spin on it. It's performance. It's still endless work to gain a blessing before God, but it's our performance before Him that we measure Certainly in the liturgy of the religion, there is a sending, but it's being sent without blessing or grace or presence of God. It's mission without end or rest. Performance for acceptance. An endless refreshing of our spiritual mailbox to see if we actually got an acceptance letter from God. Never coming, so we just keep performing. We just keep performing. The liturgy of religion fears too much assurance because that would lead to a 
uh, laxity in holiness. If you're too assured of your salvation, well, why would you do anything good? Right? So let's leave you a little bit on the edge, not knowing, so that you keep performing and doing the good work. If you don't have to give or serve or anything like that to be accepted before God, well, how is this going to work? How is it going to keep going? How is it going to be sustained? It's better to just leave it in the realm of performance. Leave you hanging just a little bit, waiting to know if you're accepted. Which means we can use shame and fear as motivators for your performance or your lack of performance. This is really how the liturgy of religion works. But friends, the liturgy of Jesus is far better. It is far better. So, let's look at this blessing that God instructed Moses to tell Aaron and his sons to give to the people to see what is it that God is blessing us with. So we're going to look at three things that we get in this blessing, in this benediction. Protection, presence, and peace. Protection, presence, and peace. So the first thing that he instructs Aaron to say to the people is, May the Lord bless you and protect you. What does it mean for God to protect us, for the Lord to protect us? Well, it certainly can't mean protection from experiencing anything hard or difficult. Evidence for this is all over the scriptures, particularly because, like, the people of Israel still aren't in the promised land when they get this, (laughs) right? Like, they're still not there yet. (laughs) So, like, from the very beginning of it, protection can't mean not experiencing anything difficult or hard. Now, certainly that doesn't mean we don't ask God for protection from difficult things, from suffering or persecution. But ultimately, what it means for God to protect us is to, for God to not allow for his children to be ultimately harmed. For, him, for us to be ultimately harmed. The book of Hebrews says this, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? It's really interesting that the author to Hebrews connects not loving money with not fearing. Right? Because when we are fearful for our lives, we want some level of security. We want something that is sure. Something that we can fall back on. Something that when we experience hardship, we know that there's something there to protect us. And what the author of Hebrews is What he's not saying is, uh, well, don't worry about having any sort of savings or anything like that. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, don't depend on money to protect you. Ultimately depend on the Lord to protect you. And if the Lord is going to protect you, the reality is, what can people do to you? You see, what it means for God to protect His people is that we cannot have fear of others ultimately harming us because the Lord is on our side, even when it looks like he's not. Jesus says to his, uh, to, after Peter confesses that Jesus is Lord, he says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This promise is sure from Jesus. And this is what the blessing that Aaron is giving his people is like. May the Lord protect you and keep you. 
May the Lord protect you. May Jesus not allow the gates of hell to prevail against his church. Even when it looks like it is. Jesus tells us in John 10, he says to his disciples, I've already told you, or sorry, he's speaking to the religious leaders. I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. You see the kind of protection that is offered to us in Christ. He says, no one can snatch my people away from me. And not only can no one snatch them away from me, no one can snatch them away from my Father and His hand. And actually, I and my Father are one. The whole triune God is protecting His church. This is displayed for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. In which Jesus goes to the cross in your place and in mine. To pay for our sins so that we can be accepted by God. And if that is done, if that is finished and accomplished and complete, what can Satan possibly do to you? Even if you were to experience the very worst that this broken world has to offer, Jesus has said, you're mine and I have you. I will protect you. Ultimately, no one can do you harm, even if they kill you. Because I'm the God of the resurrection. Because you will live again. Because I live. Well, well what, if, what if we experience great harm to our bodies? Well, Jesus experienced great harm to his body, and he was able to resurrect that body. He has a resurrected body that he currently still has he's still embodied and will be forever and he still has it it's been a while and it still hasn't decayed he's still reigning he still has it when Aaron says to the people may the Lord protect you this is what he has in mind you are going to be protected and if you have this kind of security what can the world or Satan do to us we have this kind of security. This is why we bless in this way. The blessed life is a life knowing the security we have in Christ so that we can walk into very unsecure places in the world. Not only do we get the protection of God, we get His presence. Numbers 6.25 May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. Your translation may say, may the Lord make his face shine on you. This is the blessing of the presence of God. This really is the summary of this whole sermon series. The blessed life is marked by the presence of God. This is the covenant promise. This is the very heart of the promise that God makes to Abraham in the beginning, and he fulfills in Revelation in the end, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be present with you. This 
is the blessed life. We get the God of the universe. Remember when we were in Exodus and Moses says, we're not going anywhere unless you go with us. Because Moses knew the promised land is nothing without the promised king. We need your presence. And so when Aaron is going to bless the people, what does Moses instruct him to bless them with? What they need. That God would protect them and that he would make his face to shine upon them. That they would know his presence intimately. That they would know who he is. That they would be content with who he is. That they would worship him. This blessing is to wake us up from any idolatry of our hearts. That we actually want to delight in the face of God shining on us. That this is what it means to live a blessed life. Not getting whatever else we want. You know, what showcases for us where our hearts really are is what we want to shine on us. What face of what God do we want to shine on us? Right? Do we want the other gods that we worship in our lives? Money, sex, entertainment, power. Would we rather have those things shine their face on us? Or God in His presence? It really makes us wrestle with it and actually submit ourselves. And why we need a blessing over us that God's face would shine on us? Because we're pretty fickle creatures. And we run away from him very quickly. Which is why we need the blessing of God over us to say, may God's face shine on you. Now, if, do you remember what he said, right? He said, if Aaron blesses them in this way, I myself will bless them. That means what God is saying is I smile at you. I smile at you. I delight in who you are. I delight in who you are. This again is not a presence of God that we're waiting on in fear and judgment. This is a presence of the delight of God over you. God delights over you. I say this all the time. I will stop saying it when we all believe it. That God really delights in you. That what it means to be blessed is to know that God delights in you. That He is thrilled with you. That He knows everything about you and still is thrilled with you. All the good, all the bad. That He knows exactly how you work. Because He made you. And He made you to uniquely reflect who He is in the world. And He simply wants to be with you. Remember, we started this whole thing again with, are you weary? Come to Jesus. Come to me if you're weary, and I will give you rest. What more rest can we get than the delight of God in us? His smile over you. This is what we get in the gospel, and this is what Aaron is pronouncing over the people. May God's face shine upon you. Finally, we get peace. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. 
Now this word for peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which is more than just an absence of conflict and just like a a neutral place. This is a wholeness or a flourishing of life. The blessed life is not one simply in which we get the presence of God and then we're hungry and persecuted and sad and lonely and all of these other things. Now, that's not the goal or the ideal. Sometimes that happens, right? That is real seasons for God's people that we experience real hardship in the midst of following God while getting His presence. But the hope of the blessing is that we would get the peace of God, meaning the flourishing of human life. So that makes us ask a question, what does it mean for human life to flourish? Now, we don't have time to get into all of that, but I hope that we can unpack that sometime soon. But certainly it's more than just getting what I want, right? Flourishing is not simply just getting what I want, because we were designed by an all-loving creator who knows what we need. He already knows what we need. And so if we're going to understand what flourishing looks like, we've got to look to God's word to understand what flourishing looks like. It's also not an individual experience. I'm sure that all of us, because we are in America, we immediately interpret this as, oh, God is speaking to me personally that I would have a flourishing life. But Aaron is saying this over the people, the gathered people. May God bless you. May God bless y'all. With a flourishing life. May God bless us as a people with a flourishing life. It's a communal experience and not simply an individual one. They're not coming up one by one to receive this blessing. They are being blessed as a congregation. So, this means community thriving. Meaning... That when hardship does hit, because it will, one part of the community and the body, the rest of the body responds to create flourishing. That's how it works. Part of, remember we talked about this when we talked about prayer. The reality is God all the time says, pray for this. And then he says, oh, by the way, go do that. That's how we're going to answer that prayer. Right? Our call to worship was from Psalm 67. Right? May the nations know you. That's a psalm. We're going to talk about it in a second. But that's a psalm based on this blessing. God's going to bless you, and then all the nations are going to fear you. All the nations are going to know you, God. How is that going to happen? Through Israel's Messiah and the church going to the ends of the earth so that all the nations would be blessed. The very promise to Abraham. See, God always, in the seed of the promise, gives the answer for it. And it's often His people. Showing up. So if we're going to create thriving community here, we are going to have to show up for one another. Which means when one part of the body is suffering, another part of the body that is flourishing sacrifices so that everyone flourishes again. That's how this thing is supposed to work. Which means we got to actually care about and know and love one another. It sounds awesome in theory until you look around this room and you're like, what, these people? Are you sure? Are you sure? We really going to deal with these folks? Well, yeah, these are the folks God has called us to love and serve. Wait, we're really going to do it in this city? But this city doesn't have what I like. It doesn't have what I want. 
Everybody loves to trash Muncie. This is the place God has called you. And He's called you to help this city flourish. That's why you're here. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's why we're being not just blessed, but sent. The benediction is not just for you to experience the protection of God and the presence of God and His peace just for you alone. You're meant to experience that so that everyone else will also experience that. This is how this works. Genesis 12. Maybe. All right, it died. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord has said to Abr- had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you with, and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we've talked about, if you've been at City Hope for any length of time, We've talked about this section all the time. This is the foundation for what we do as a church seeking to be a multi-ethnic people, the multi-ethnic people of God here. This is the foundation of the promise. God is making a multi-ethnic people for himself from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. This is the promise. But do you see how it happens? I will bless you so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. I will bless you with my protection, so that no one can harm you. Do you know how serving the globe works when nothing can harm you? The church is invincible. Nothing can harm you. Do you know that when the church is persecuted, like it is around the globe, right? Like, I mean, sometimes... Christians in America talk about persecution, and it's like, well, we're not really facing persecution the way our brothers and sisters around the world are facing it, in very real ways. But every place in which the church is persecuted throughout its history and presently, it multiplies and grows. Because what happens when the world cracks down on the church or when people suffer and die and give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Other people say, wait a second, no one dies for me. Why would you do that? What is this all about? Why would you give your life for something like that? Life is precious. Why would you give it up for something like that? Because I have the hope of the resurrected life. The new heavens and new earth. This is not my home. That's my home. I'm waiting for my home to show up. Right? That's why... The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's how this works. If the church is invincible and will not lose, ultimately, we can serve the world. We have the protection of God. We are blessed with the protection of God so that we can go tell those, even those who hate us, that there is a way to eternal life. You see, You can serve others who like you without any special protection. But to serve those who hate you, you need some special protection. And Jesus grants that to us. Not only that, but we have the presence of God. We have the presence of God so that we would be a blessing. What's repeated all the time throughout the Old Testament 
is every time this covenant promise is repeated, that it's going to all the families of the earth, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. The promise is always not just to gather a multi-ethnic nation together, a multi-ethnic people, but for that people to be God's very own possession. So what we offer the world when we go and when we share the gospel, when we love our neighbor, when we serve our neighbor, when we serve the poor and marginalized, everything we do, what we offer them is the very presence of God. You are blessed with the presence of God not to simply sit in your room by yourself with your Bible, though that's where you want to be, absolutely, in the presence of God. But it's not just for that purpose. It's so that you would go and take that presence and give it to everyone else so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. We experience God deeply so that we can share God broadly. Now, both of those things are things that we want, and we can't have them without the other. Sometimes we want to go and serve and be on mission and share the gospel and do all these things, but we neglect cultivating the presence of God in our hearts. What are you going to give anyone if you're not cultivating the presence of God? You need the presence of God with you. But also, sometimes we sit on our hands waiting Because we are fearful, but we have spent deep time with the Lord. We love Him. He loves us. We know He delights in us. But we're afraid to share that with anyone else because we're just sitting on that. God has blessed you with gifts. He's blessed you with His presence so that you would serve others. So that you would be a blessing. And finally, we are given the peace of God. Now, for us to have the peace of God to share with the world, we better have peace here. (laughs) Right? Jesus says, you know how the world's going to know that you're my disciples and that I have come? By the way you love one another. So, again, this is this balance that we have to hold, this tension. Sometimes we want to love our neighbor and not our brother or sister in Christ. And sometimes we focus so much on loving our brother and sister in Christ that we forget or hate our neighbor that doesn't know Jesus. That is missing both. We are given the peace of God, the shalom of God for this church so that we would love one another and then that we would love other churches in this city, that we would love other believers in Christ as brothers and sisters, that we would care for them. Now that does not mean that there are not hard times and hard things. Uh, every single New Testament letter is because the church was kind of a mess, right? <laughs> like every single one, it's like, which church do you pick to, to follow? And it's like, well, you know, uh, none of them. <laughs> they all have massive problems, right? This peace is being worked out. Why do you think Aaron was blessing the people all the time? Why do you think I give a benediction all every Sunday? Because you're not a finished product, I love you guys, but you're not a finished product, and I'm not one either. So we're working that piece out, but we're going to commit to working that piece out so that we can offer the world a different way of living, a different way, a way to escape from the endless scroll of the world, a way to escape from constantly needing to perform to be accepted, to offer the presence of God to the world. And it's not just 
It's not just this city that we offer it to, but it's to the whole world. As we saw in our call to worship. Oh, now it's working. May, may God be merciful and bless us. May His face smile with favor on us. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him. Right? You see that connection between blessing and sending. God will bless us so that the world would know Him. Sometimes, as we saw in our sermon on prayer, you don't get blessing because you don't ask. And sometimes you don't get blessing because you ask not so that you can be a blessing, but so that you can hoard the blessing. But blessing, by definition, is a gift can't hoard something you didn't earn. It was given freely to you so that you can give it freely to others. Now, hopefully you noticed in the midst of this, this blessing is sort of trifold here, right? There's three blessings here. We see a little hints of the Trinity here that we see picked up in a benediction that Paul gives us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Protection, presence, and peace. The triune God working out the blessed life for you. This whole thing is the triune God showing up to work for you and for you to live a blessed life so that the world would worship King Jesus. This is a really good segue into where we're going. We're going to be in, uh, starting next week, we're going to be in the book of Revelation, and we're going to be in the book of Revelation for a little while. Uh, again, uh, hopefully not uh, to, to scare you with all sorts of weird interpretations, because there's some weird ones out there. But the whole point of the book of Revelation is this very thing. I am with you. Go tell everyone about King Jesus. And even when it's hard, I am with you to protect you. And even when you suffer, I am with you to give you my presence. And even when you suffer, I am with you to give you my peace. Because one day, I will fully and finally make all things new. And we will fully flourish together as the people of God. Where he says, I will be your, peop- I will be your God and you will be my people. This is the blessing that we seek from God And that he grants to us. So every Sunday when we come to church here, when I give the benediction, it's not just simply a way to cap off the service and end it and say, hey guys, now it's time to leave. Because what did Moses tell? Or what did God say to Moses? He said, when Aaron blesses them, when Aaron and his sons bless them, I myself will bless them. When we do this, we are in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is present here to bless you in that moment. So receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. Receive this blessing of the protection, presence, and peace of God. And then extend it to this city. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you and we know that we need your blessing. We know that we need your protection, your presence, and your peace. And so... 
Jesus, would you be present? Would you come near? Holy Spirit, would you transform and work powerfully in us for the sake of your glory and honor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.